Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome into Coffee Break. Troy Shockley with you this morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. The show brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. If you have a property that fits the needs of their buyers, call David at Versant, 459-8565. And Jesse Heidi is our guest this morning. Jesse, one of Intermountain's clinical supervisors in its therapeutic education. Yep. Is that right? Okay. So, I, you know, I'm really glad to have her in today. We weren't able to connect last time, and then we got her here in the studio. I'm excited. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming to hang out with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I, can you introduce yourself to listeners a little bit? It, it, it's life story time. They give us a half hour. We got plenty of time. Sure. So, um, as you said, I'm one of Intermountain's clinical supervisors. I've been with Intermountain about seven and a half years at this point. Okay. I've worked kind of across the board um, with Intermountain Services, residential, outpatient, and now, as you said, the therapeutic education. Um, I have been a therapist since about 2008 when I graduated with my master's. Um, I mean, life story is fun. but So I got into the field because I grew up with a dad who was a special education teacher and okay. really worked with the struggling kiddos. And my mom was a lawyer, so the the meshing of those two, I think, becomes a social worker, um, which is what my degree is in. And I've just loved... And a degree from where? Oh, sorry. Thank you. I have a degree, a master's um, in social work from U of M. Okay. Yeah. So, Grizz in the studio. I am a Grizz, although I've taken classes at Montana <laughs> State, so I kind of okay. to, you know, straddle both lines. Yeah, I like it. And you've been at Intermountain, you said, for about seven... Seven, just seven ish. and a half years. Yeah, okay. Yep. And so, why Intermountain? Like, how did, how did you end up landing there? Um, I've worked at other various agencies across the, the city and have always heard about Intermountain and had worked with clinicians and mental health specialists and other people from Intermountain over my time. And it really intrigued me. And at the time when I started at Intermountain, I had been in school-based services and I wanted to break from that. And so I went to the residential piece um, and really latched on to the model and the people I get to work with. Um, and it's really an amazing place to work and feels like my family away from family. Yeah. Um, so they really just, and it would have to, right? I mean, because yeah. it's just, it's a, there are days where I'm sure it's a tough job. It's a very tough job and you do have to rely on your coworkers a lot and have a deeper level of relationship with coworkers than I think you would in an average place. Um, because you can get hooked by kids and parents and, families and all the systems we work in and you need um, the support of your coworkers to vent to but also to call you out when yeah. you're struggling so maybe i guess before we just uh, assume could you explain a little bit about what intermountain is if folks aren't aren't aware sure so we are an organization here in montana we have services in helena the helena area bozeman and the flathead and we provide therapeutic education services residential services outpatient services psychiatry services, case management services, occupational therapy services. I'm sure there's one I'm missing and someone's probably yelling at me. Um, it's okay. It's a lot. Yeah. But we offer them, you know, like I said, throughout the state, um, our residential campus is K through eighth grade. Um, kids live there, go to school there. Outpatient is what it is. We have outpatient who come to our clinic and then the therapeutic education are our school-based services. So comprehensive um, school and community therapy, day treatment programs, and school-based outpatient therapists. So yeah. we really see the kids where they're at. Jesse Heine is with us this morning from Intermountain, a uh, clinical supervisor out there. And 
this has got to be one, and I guess you, you kind of touched on it uh, here a minute ago, but it's just um, like so many of the folks we have in here, that this is uh, this is more than a job mm-hmm. for you. I mean, you really have to care about what you're doing in order to be happy and, and to be successful at Intermountain, don't you? Exactly, and I think that that's something that I've felt from everyone I work with at Intermountain, from the direct care staff, the therapist, the CEO, the manager, the managers of different areas, the maintenance people, kind of across the board, everyone loves what they do, um, and we do it for the clients that we get to serve. Yeah. So, as we said, clinical supervisor in therapeutic education. Can you break that one down for us? I mean, a clinical supervisor means what, I guess, first off, in, in terms of just sort of your everyday, day-to-day. When you go to work, what is it that you're doing? Um, luckily, it's different every day because I would get really bored if it was always the same. Um, and I, I oversee um, some of our CSCT, so Comprehensive School Community Therapy Programs, and a couple of day treatment programs. So I supervise the therapists and the mental health specialists, support them in providing services to our clients, staff clients, talk about you know patterns we're seeing, systems that the kiddo is working in, family Um, struggles that they have and really my job my role is to support and sometimes guide um, our clinicians who are on the ground okay and clients and so then when we add in the therapeutic education Mm -hmm. part of that specifically what what does that mean those are our all of our um, school-based services so it's therapeutic education so that's a larger umbrella it's a larger umbrella it encompasses um Pretty much everything that we do that's in a school. Okay. So can you give us an idea? I mean, I, I know it's all individualized, mm-hmm. but just a generic sort of a real world example of what that might look like for a kid in, in school, like what services they might need and receive. Sure. So I'll start kind of at the lowest level of treatment, and that would be our school-based outpatient therapist. And the way that I usually describe this is this is very similar to your outpatient therapist that you would go to once a week, except that they're in your school. And so parents don't have the added struggle of trying to, you know, pick up a kid from school, drive them to an appointment, drive them back. This is someone that's down the hall, you know, at middle schools and high schools that kids have an appointment scheduled for and they go there an hour a week, sometimes a couple hours a week um, to do intensive therapy in the moment. The next step up is our Comprehensive School and Community Therapy, CSCT, and those are kiddos who have a higher level of need, and so they do have the scheduled individual time, but there's also group times and classroom support, and also just one-off support. If a kiddo is struggling, the teacher can call down to the office and have the therapist or mental health specialist come to support them Mm -hmm. in the classroom, at recess, in the hallway. Um, We really are able to focus on family struggles, but also social struggles and peer issues and classroom struggles and all that because we're right there where the kid's at. So what has that looked like during the last you know year and a half during COVID? I mean, it, how different has that been? It's been very different. Uh, we've had to be very flexible. Kids have had to be very flexible, families, um, schools. There, When schools were shut down, we were not able to see kids in person. And so we did a lot of teletherapy, telehealth, um, so over, excuse me, over the computer, scheduling times that work for parents and families, coordinating with teachers. So um, last spring when students were doing online learning, um, a lot of our therapists would 
reach out to the teacher and say, you know, you have class that you're meeting with kids from nine to 10. Can I hop on at 10 and keep this kiddo with me so that we can talk for another half hour, 45 minutes? Um, as we learned more about the pandemic and felt safer, we were able to do some outside therapy, some outside check-ins. Um, there are a lot higher frequency of check-ins with the shutdown because we weren't able to see kids. So we had to be more um, purposeful in scheduling times, having daily check-ins or multi times a day mm-hmm. check-ins with kids. Yeah. And now things starting to open back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're at the very tail end of the school year now, yeah. but you know, restaurants are getting pretty busy. Saturdays we're seeing games in the parks. I mean, mm-hmm. things are moving back to normal-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good thing, but it's been more than a year and it takes people time to adjust. So, you know, everybody kind of adjusted to what things had to look like. Right. And now they're changing again Mm -hmm. Uh, how how tough is that for kids it's hard for kids um in the sense that they don't always know what's going on or the (laughs) reason behind things not that adults always know what's going on but we at least sometimes or the reason behind things or the reason behind (laughs) things but have we have sometimes higher functioning to be able to think through it um and make sense of it but for kids like you said you know 13 14 months ago their world's totally changed And it's been different for that amount of time. And now we're getting back to some semblance of normal. Um, But they don't know exactly what normal is. Mm -hmm. Because a year and a half ago, they were a year and a half younger. The world was in chaos. There's been a lot of upheaval that's happened, you know, political, social. And kids feel that and see that and hear that. And they're getting messages from all sides and struggle with necessarily processing that in the appropriate way yeah so anxiety levels just have to be i mean for various reasons all inside mm-hmm. of that circle mm-hmm. um you know you, you talk about well it was a year it was a year and a half for adults it's you know that's a smaller portion that's a smaller slice of pie right, right. for a kid in middle school a year is a long time exactly exactly so what are you seeing then i i guess high schoolers are maybe getting towards that that they're they can learn to develop and in, in, in adjust a little bit better, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just assuming the middle schoolers are having a tougher time with this. You know, the middle schoolers, it's an interesting age because they are trying to individuate and separate from adults, specifically yeah. their parents. And so they want to rebel against, you know, if mask wearing is what you're supposed to do, they want to rebel against that. And that's very normal. But they're also well enough aware to notice and know things that are going on and the struggles that they see around them. And trying to incorporate that while also trying to rebel against your authority figures, you get in a bind. And yeah. we all know middle school is a tough age anyway. So throw in chaos and it just adds layers upon that. Yeah. So are you seeing some of that, like, just that confusion? I mean, because then it has to be a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just feeds mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, for sure. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I think over the year kiddos we've seen more stress and anxiety in kiddos which leads to increased negative um, coping skills and maladaptive behaviors which with the situation we're in are very normal because this is a very abnormal situation and we're all just responding the best way that we can in the moment which has got to be frustrating you know i know it's frustrating for parents but also for teachers and for you that especially because you know what's happening and it's like Mm -hmm. look it's normal but it's we can't have it. And, you know, so you're trying to navigate both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's 
we're very lucky to work in really great school systems that are able to hear our feedback around maybe right now we need to take a step back and mm-hmm. just embrace the fact that the kiddo is here today. They made it to school. Let's celebrate that. Let's not worry about the fact that they didn't show up with their homework. They have no books and no pencils. Let's just celebrate that they're here and recognize that that's a big step for them today. Yeah. They might even have two pair, you know, two shoes on. Right. At least they have shoes on. Yeah. Or, or pants or the Lord yeah. knows it's middle school. It's middle school. You never know what they're going to show Who up. Who knows? Uh, you're tuned into Coffee Break uh, this morning and we do have to take a break at some point. So we'll do it now and then we'll come back and talk more with Jesse Heidi. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Troy Shockley, thanks for hanging out with us today. The show, of course, brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. Finding the perfect buyer for your home doesn't have to be daunting. Call David of Versant, 459-8565. Jesse Heidi with us this morning from Inner Mountain. And uh, talking about daunting, maybe it's just that return. We were talking about it in the first half, just that return to normal. And during the break, we were chatting. There, There's an aspect of sort of that anxiety, that social anxiety, mm-hmm. right? As we adjust to kids got used to for, you know, a year and a half being in smaller groups and staying apart and all of this. And now we're going, oh, no, now we can go back. Is is that harder than it maybe sounds like for some kids? I think it's harder than it sounds like. And I think sometimes as adults, we want to make it go away. We, we don't like kids being uncomfortable, which is a really good thing, but also it leads to when kids bring concerns, adults saying, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Versus validating, yeah, this is a lot different. Yeah. And we don't know what it's going to be like. And things are changing every day. And it makes sense that that's confusing. Yeah. So really supporting and validating the kiddos through the changes that are happening daily. Right. So that uh, that probably takes some just some awareness on our part of n- not being dismissive, right? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. like I, th- I think that the key word there, validate. I mean, it's, it's okay to feel your feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you have some kids that, f- for various reasons, maybe they're just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess maybe letting them know that that's okay right right yeah and letting them know you know we've worn a mask now for 14 months and that's what the school year has been has been masks and small cohorts and limited you know wandering around the schools Mm -hmm. and so recognizing that this is a change if we're going to start going maskless or start you know going to games in the park or having band concerts having graduation Mm -hmm. that's all different and that it's okay to have feelings about that. Yeah. Well, and then there are those, I suppose, that just have a tough time dealing with change in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, change just on its face is, is difficult for some kids. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of the kids that you work with, um, any kind of you move the furniture in the living room mm-hmm. and 
they're a little uneasy. So, I mean, this whole thing has been tough on them. Right. And I, I always think it's funny because, you know, working primi- primarily with kids, we do notice how much they struggle with change. And then I think about myself when things get rearranged and I didn't have control over it, I don't like that either. And I'm an adult and I'm a pretty functional adult. (laughs) And so sometimes we expect of our kids things that we don't expect of ourselves. And so it's important to recognize like, yeah, it is hard that these things change. So what are some of the things that we might be seeing? Because I mean, anybody that has kids at home, especially if they're in that middle school, high school group, they're not necessarily going to be telling us what Mm -hmm. they're feeling or what they're thinking right they're right. just it's fine i'm fine and they're in fine. their room yeah. yeah it's whatever and it's fine mm-hmm. um what are the things we need to be watching for they're not going to tell us right so looking for some of those isolating behaviors um, not doing things that were previously enjoyable um, expressing worry about things that they've been through before uh, sometimes there's somatic complaints so physical complaints tummy aches headaches you know physical things that would make them not able to do stuff. Um, and it's important to recognize that these are all real experiences for the kiddo, that they're, that they're, they are experiencing them. Mm-hmm. The stomach ache might not be because of a virus, but it might be because they're anxious that, they, that they're going back to school um, and there's fewer masks being worn or they're starting summer baseball and they don't wear masks and they have to interact with kids that they haven't had to interact with for a year in a different way. And so um, a lot of those avoidance behaviors, there also could be an uptick in um, resistance and oppositional behaviors of kids trying to regain some sense of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't always do it through really healthy ways. Um, and it looks like saying no a lot. But really, it's a kid trying to regain control in a situation that feels somewhat out of control. Yeah. Well, and I would expect there's also some anxiety at place on top of everything of, I shouldn't feel this way, right? Mm-hmm. The kid knows how they feel, but they're being told and they're seeing everywhere that this is a good thing and they, they should be happy. Right. That probably, again, it feeds itself, right? That's mm-hmm. got to be a problem for some kids as well. Very much so. And the mixed message or the bind that kids get caught in between school is saying wear masks all the time, parents at home are saying masks are worthless. You know, you can go on the internet and see five different answers as to masks or distancing. Um, And that's hard for kids to work through. And some kids will just shut down and not try to make a decision. Um, And others are able to process it and come to adults and say, I need help figuring this out. They won't say it that clearly. Right, They'll say, right. can you sit down with me? Can we play a game? Those types of yeah. things. Yeah. So, you know, in therapeutic education, when you're in the schools, how are you dealing with that stuff? Like, how, how do you sort of correct behavior, but at the same time validate feelings? Mm-hmm. That, that's got to be a weird line to walk. It's an interesting line to walk for sure. And it's just a mind shift in seeing the behavior as a way of communication. It's a way a kid's expressing a need. And so we as adults have to translate that into what need are they expressing and how can we meet that need and have consequences and expectations around, you know, safety, security, and responsibility as a student. And so it's a lot of you know, I've used the word before, but a lot of validating that there's an underlying need or an underlying feeling and that behavior is not one that's okay. Yeah. 
Jesse Heine's with us this morning from Intermountain. We've got uh, about seven, a little less than seven minutes left with her. And um, are, are there things that you sort of expect, anticipate, uh, cropping up in the coming year from all this? I mean, I, I know that's looking into the crystal ball a little mm-hmm. bit, but uh, we kind of see what's happening now. Next year, I think we can assume that it's going to be maskless. Things are going to be a little bit more normal uh, with this thing lurking in the background because it's not going anywhere. Right. What are things that you anticipate us seeing over the the coming calendar year? You know, that is a very good question. I think of it kind of in the mindset of this last year, we collectively as a human society went through a grieving process and a trauma process. Um, There was a lot of loss that happened, death, and then also lost opportunities, graduations, Mm -hmm. band concerts, sleepovers. Um, And I think in the year moving forward, we're going to see ramifications of that grief and trauma in kids wanting more control, so having more oppositional or resistant behaviors. Um, kids having increased anxiety about situations that they haven't been in in two years. You know, kids haven't gone to a graduation for two years because we didn't mm-hmm. have one last year, so there's one two years ago. Um, and just some of the behaviors and struggles that we see now i think are going to continue throughout the next year and maybe more beyond that and um kids are going to just need more support which is going to be frustrating for for you for teachers for parents and in many aspects because we're going that that was last year it's done right Mm -hmm. like that's where our brain's going to be because we're ready to quickly move on Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the case for the kids it's not the case for the kids and i think sometimes as adults we force ourselves to move on when maybe it's not even the case for us so it's okay to slow down and say maybe i'm not ready to go back to the store maybe i'm not ready to go maskless everywhere maybe i need to grieve the fact that you know, the class I taught this whole past year, the 2020-2021 school year, is not the class that I wanted to teach. You know, I wasn't able to give the hugs. I wasn't right. able to sit next to kids. I wasn't able to do the things that we normally do. And so giving ourselves the grace to experience the grief that we went through also. Are, are there some potential uh, long-term effects here, especially with the, the – the, I know you're – primarily you're working with you know middle school and, and high schoolers but that younger age group mm-hmm. i just wonder are there some potential longer term effects that we don't really know yet i think there could be i think that you know there was medical trauma in the sense that this was a global pandemic and there were people dying yeah. and so that can greatly affect kids and um, have some fear around it i think there's also going to be really positive changes that come from this kids have become amazingly more technologically savvy they've shown an ability to be flexible in situations that no one has anticipated and those skills are going to help them in the rest of their life um i think that one skill i know i've seen kids improve on over this year across you know k-12 is the ability to read emotions in the eyes because that's yeah. what we've had to do for a year. Yeah. You can't see, you know, a lot of emotion comes in the, you know, the full face. But kids have been able to see in the eyes and read that more clearly, which I think will hugely impact their social relationships for the rest of their lives in a positive way. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, and I guess on the other side of that, you know, on the, the negative side, I mean, we, we've talked on the show a, a few times before about uh, like ACE, ACEs scores mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, we, we know as science that, that kids are sort of, their brain is literally formed in the first, mm-hmm. what, five years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 
neural pathway. I mean, yep. physically, their brain is is set by what happens around them. Exactly. So there's no telling. You know, the the very young kiddos, we might not know for like a decade, right? Exactly. Of what this actually did to very young kids. Yeah, I think it's something that we're going to have to pay attention to and recognize that this is a trauma. It was a huge change. It was a huge shift in everyone's life. And like you said, the brain is developing. You know, those first five years are the important years. It continues for <laughs> 16 after that. Um, but there could be neural pathways that were built with the kind of the COVID pandemic pathway that we're going to have to try to, you know, rewire um, in a sense to change how that works in kids. Well, get brains. started early. There's a research paper there for you. Yep. You know, you can get yep. published and, uh, you know, just put me in the footnotes. No I will. Big deal. You'll be my thank you. Um, 90 seconds left real quick. I mean, whatever the age of our kiddos and uh, good or bad, there's going to be impacts from this. What are some ways that, um, and, and maybe it's just touching on what you've already mentioned, but what are some ways that as parents, we should help our kids with these adjustments that are happening now and that'll be happening in two months, four months, six months? I think it's starting a discussion about them and validating that it's okay if you have feelings about it. It's also okay if you don't have feelings about it because some kids are resilient enough mm -hmm. that they just don't care. Um, and really trying to spend quality time together in, a, in doing something that feels good for everyone. Playing games, watching TV, playing video games together, even if it's just sitting and talking. Really um, finding that quality time to connect as a family yeah and uh, you know parents aren't immune either we shouldn't nope. uh, leave us i mean we need to watch ourselves both uh to make sure that that we're dealing effectively with stresses and anxieties mm -hmm. yep and as those anxieties or stressors if they become if they impact your life getting help um with a therapist um, those support systems are in place and they do work yeah well and anything we're feeling we're going to start you know the, the kids are going to notice too kids pick it up so much more than we realize yeah. So uh, if, if you're struggling, you, your kid's going to pick up on that and they're going to, it's another one of those things that it feeds itself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, we're all out of time. I told you, I told you it would go fast. Yes, it we're did. We're out of time. We had plenty more that we could have chat, uh, chatted about, but uh, Jesse Heidi with us uh, today with uh, Intermount and a, a clinical supervisor in uh, therapeutic education. Uh, thanks for taking time to chat with us today. And thanks for the work that you and, and, and everybody out there is doing in our schools. It's really important. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's all the time we have on a coffee break today i appreciate you hanging out with us again the show brought to you by versant real estate group keep it right here lots more coming up on kcap voices of montana coming up i'm troy shockley and that's it for coffee break today be sure to check us out on itunes head on over give us a review there that's always much appreciated or swing by coffee break 959.podbean.com thanks for tuning in we'll see you back here tomorrow